What's up? Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Monday, November 9th, 2015. As always, broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Beantown Athletics, the only in-house union screen printer in Boston. Specializing in custom uniforms and business apparel. Also home of the best skate shopping in New England. So grab your skates, swing by the shop on Granite Ave in Dorchester. There is plenty of parking out back. Or give them a call for more information on all your screen printing needs. 617-282-4181. That's 617-282-4181. And make sure you tell them I sent it. So what a weekend it was in the National Football League. Week number nine is almost over. We got one more game. The Monday night game tonight as the San Diego Chargers. They host the Chicago Bears. Not a great game, but it is the final game for my picks over the weekend. Every Friday, I give you picks, picks. It's five games with the spread. I went two and two on Sunday. Two and two yesterday. Looking to go three and two and finish the week with a winning record with the Chargers at minus four tonight over the Bears in San Diego on Monday night football. Uh, I think the line has gone... Has moved to four and a half, but on Friday I got it at minus four when I did my picks and gave you my picks. So that is the final game. Four picks, picks. Keep an eye on that, and I'll react to that game on tomorrow's podcast. I am here five days a week. You can get this show at dannypicard.com. Also, subscribe to the Danny Picard Show on iTunes, wherever podcasts are available. And, um, yeah, really, you can get the show any day that you want. And what I do on Mondays is I react to what happened on Sunday in the National Football League. But we had a busy weekend, so there's more to talk about than just football. On today's podcast, I will also get into some baseball stuff as the general managers' meetings began today, began this morning in Florida. Uh, There is some other baseball news to go along with that. And then I'll take a quick look to close out the show at the NHL and the NBA. But more specifically, a couple of the local storylines that come along with that. Like the Bruins with a couple exciting games over the weekend. The Celtics with an exciting win on Friday night. We'll look at that and look at their schedules moving forward. Uh, but I'll begin with football. Uh, but actually, you know what? One, one other thing that happened this weekend. Can't, can't ignore the aliens, right? Cannot ignore the aliens this weekend. Saturday, what was that in the sky? Was it really remnants of a meteor shower that was the first report? Or was it the second report that was the Navy was firing unarmed missiles over the skies of Southern California? Believe what you want to believe. Uh, Originally, a lot of people Saturday night freaking out about aliens. I tell you what, um, the shot and the video that I saw... I'm I'm not so sure. I don't know if it was aliens, but I'm not so sure it was the Navy firing off missiles or remnants of a media shower. I, I don't know what it was, but that's one of the other exciting things that we had uh, happen this weekend. I had to mention it. I had to mention it. People talking about aliens. I was wondering. I'm seeing tweets. I'm going, what the fuck are people talking about? Aliens? What What is happening right now? Sometimes you get those tweets. You just have to search it and dig deeper because you don't know what's going on, right? So I had to search that and figure out what was happening. But the video, video's weird, weird looking. Uh, <laughs> anyways, let's get to football, shall we? Let's get to some football. Week number nine, 
uh, it has almost come and gone, as I mentioned, one more game tonight. Uh, but you got three teams that are still undefeated. The, the Patriots, the Carolina Panthers, because the Panthers held on to beat the Green Bay Packers in Carolina. Green Bay, they had a comeback late, but the Panthers' defense, they get pressure on Aaron Rodgers in the red zone, and uh, Aaron Rodgers throws an interception to end that game. So Carolina undefeated still. The Patriots undefeated because the Patriots beat the Redskins. Who thought the Patriots weren't going to beat the Redskins? You know, the Patriots now here in New England, we're concerned about the injury to Deion Lewis. They say, what's he got, a loose ACL? And I hear some people going, well, that's a good thing. When I hear loose ACL, that is not a good thing, right? It's not a good thing. And people saw Deion Lewis walking off the field yesterday, and I see tweets that uh you know, saying that, oh, this is a good thing. He's walking off on his own power. This is great news. Well, not necessarily. I mean, you can tear your ACL or MCL. And not to wish that upon the kid, because I certainly don't wish it upon the kid, especially being a Patriots fan. I'd like to, I'd love to see Deion Lewis stay on the field and finish the season. You see how good he is and how important he is to this Patriots offense. Uh, so, but when you see a guy walking off the field like that, I don't, say, oh, he's fine, and I think some people wanted to react that way. You can have a torn ACL, MCL, and be able to walk, actually walk normally. You just can't cut. You can't make the cuts, that, especially the cuts Deion Lewis makes, right? So you could even sit there and have MRIs today, and at the, during the time right now that I'm recording this podcast, there is no, I have no report on Deion Lewis. You might... We're probably going to know something later today, so by the time you listen to this podcast, you might already know, but I will tell you this, even if it is a minor, let's say, let's say it's similar to what Ben Roethlisberger suffered, right, MCL injury, not a major tear, not something that's going to end his season, you know, it's not like a Le'Veon Bell, right, it's not that, ending his season, right, let, let, and it might be, I don't know, but let's say it's not, let's say it's a more minor knee injury, looks like a knee. Seems like a knee. People saying he's got a loose ACL. That does not make me feel good about this situation. You you might say, well, Ben Roethlisberger is able to come back after a couple weeks, and he's playing. Even though Big Ben got hurt again yesterday, it's a foot. He's going to miss a couple more weeks. I'll get to that game because that was part of my picks over the weekend, and it was actually a game that I lost. Not a game that Pittsburgh lost, but I took Pittsburgh, and they did not cover. But I'll get to the Steelers and their injury in a few minutes. But first, with this Deion Lewis thing, it, 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 let's say it is something that is not season-ending, but it's still a knee injury, and it's something similar to Ben Roethlisberger. You might say, well, Roethlisberger came back, but it's different. You know, the Steelers, Roethlisberger's not asking his body to make the cuts and the type of movements with his leg that, that Deion Lewis is trying to make. So I, I, if it is that, that's bad news still. It's bad news originally when you, as a Patriots fan, you look at it and say, wow, he is an important piece to this Patriots offense. But then you take a step back and you look at what the Patriots are as an organization. You look at what Bill Belichick and the boys do down in Foxborough. And the one phrase that I even tweeted out yesterday, and you can follow me on Twitter, at Danny Picard. The one phrase I tweeted out that... You have to buy into it if you're a Patriots fan. And even if you're not a Patriots fan, you got to see what they do from the outside looking in, and you still got to buy into it, I think. And that phrase and that philosophy is next man up. It's a real thing. 
there might have there might have been a point of time in which she said, nah, you know what? This injury is just too much to overcome. Well, the one injury that'll be too much to overcome is Tom Brady, right? I mean, if Tom Brady goes down, and I'm knocking on wood here, uh, because I don't obviously don't want that to happen, but that would be the injury that you might take a step back and say, well, next man up. It, it, I'm, I'm going to throw that philosophy out the window at this point. Um, but Deion Lewis, as important a piece as he has been to this Patriots offense, next man up, I tweeted it, and the Patriots made it happen. Because the very next possession yesterday, Deion Lewis goes down. The injury does not look good. I don't care if he's walking off the field. The way his knee bent in that when he cut, and knowing that you can still have a very major knee injury and still walk off the field. Um, just to, to me, his body language when he walked off, you know, I, I, I just didn't like it. All around, I'm saying, shit, that looks terrible. This looks terrible. So I was kind of shocked when I saw people tweeting like, oh, he's walking off the field. This is great news. His body language, I don't know. I just, it didn't, to me, it's not great news. I still didn't like it at all. And I'm sitting there going, can't believe it. You lose Deion Lewis. But then five minutes later, you have to snap out of that and say, well, here's what, this is what the Patriots do. They, they, they replace guys. And as good as Deion Lewis has been, well, it did not prevent the Patriots from the very next possession going deep down the right sideline. I say deep, about 18, 20 yards. Still, perfect pass. Had to be on the money. They send the, the backup running back or at least the running back that's going to come in and get some more reps with Deion Lewis out, because they're still using LeGarrette Blount anyways, okay? They use him when Deion Lewis is in, but they don't use Brandon Bolden. Well, they threw Brandon Bolden, and they said, okay, we lost Deion Lewis. Here's what we're going to do next possession. Brandon Bolden, all right, he's going to go down the right sideline. Brady finds him for a touchdown. Patriots then take a 27-3 to lead. I mean, you're sitting there going, all right, next man up. Deion Lewis goes down, Brandon Bolden back in. You could look at the entire Patriots team and say this. This season, I mean, Jamie Collins doesn't play yesterday. Um, the Patriots offensive line, they had a tight end. As you, they were using a tight end as an offensive lineman yesterday at points in times of this game. I mean, they lost Volma. They keep losing guys. They keep plugging guys in. And they keep winning. That is just what the Patriots do. It's part of the whole phrase, the Patriot way. Next man up. It is a real thing. And the Patriots, once again, prove that that is true. And they do it yesterday. They throw Brandon Bolden out. I think they did it on purpose. I mean, they could have given that pass down the right sideline to anybody. They could have passed the ball to anybody in those spots and scored another touchdown in this game. I think they purposely said, we are not just putting Brandon Molden in and giving him reps because we lose Deion Lewis. That looked bad. The body language looked bad. You saw Matt Patricia go over to Deion Lewis after and basically be like, oh, man. <laughs> uh, we love you, kid. Keep your head up. We love you. They Patriots said, we're not going to you know, hang our heads. We're going to show everybody that this is what we do. Next man up, let's use Brandon Bolden. And that's exactly what they did. Touchdown down the right sideline to the running back that replaces Deion Lewis. The very next possession that he left the game with what looked to be a very bad knee injury. I don't care if he was walking off on his own power. I did not like his body language. And the fact that we're talking about today before, again, I don't know the report, but at the time that I record this podcast, I don't know what it is. But my, I'm giving you my reaction, my opinion on everything that I saw and everything that I saw afterwards and things that I'm even hearing. 
I don't like where we're going with this injury report. I don't. So, uh, I don't expect it to be good news with Deion Lewis. And if it's not good news, it sucks for the kid. And yes, at first glance, you say, oh, that's terrible. He was so good for this Patriots team. I loved seeing what he did. And you get a you know, couple minutes of that and then realize, well, here's why the Patriots are so good. They're going to be able to plug someone like Brandon Bolden in and use him. And not just use him, but <laughs> score a touchdown with him on the very next possession. Okay, they beat the Redskins. Patriots beat the Redskins. Patriots remain undefeated. Three teams undefeated still. Patriots, they beat Washington, Carolina Panthers. They beat Green Bay. And yes, I've been saying for a couple weeks they are for real. I'm glad that people are starting to buy into that. And yes, Cam Newton is going to be an MVP candidate. At least he should be right now. He absolutely should be. And of course, the Cincinnati Bengals, they won on Thursday night over Cleveland. They are 8-0. But the Denver Broncos, I expected them to be 8-0. They went into Indianapolis, and they lost to the Colts yesterday in the 430 game. They lost to the Indianapolis Colts. And Peyton Manning, now three yards shy of a career passing yards record. And you know what? He probably would have got it in that game on a final possession if a keep to leave didn't come over to a guy. It was a Dwayne Allen and... Try to, you know, he gave him the WWF Ric Flair eye rake. He raked his eyes. He poked him in the eyes. What is he doing? Look, I like Akeem Tlaib, and he's been huge for that Broncos defense this season. He has. He, Akeem Tlaib has played awesome this season for Denver. But when you got, what was it? A little, was it two and a half minutes left in that one? Two and a half minutes left. A little under three minutes left. You are in a situation in which Indy is driving. Indy leads that game by three points. They're down in field goal range. And on a second and nine run, Frank Gore picks up, I think, two or three yards. You're looking at a third and seven. Okay? Third and seven. You still got the two-minute warning. And you're going to get the ball back if you can make one more stop on one more play. The Colts are going to kick another field goal and only take a six-point lead. And you have a chance with Peyton Manning, okay? He's gonna. He's the story would be great for them at that point. Now this story wouldn't be great for people like myself who, with that, it was. Look, it's tough to root for Indy for all the Deflategate shit that's happened. It's tough to root for Indy, but when you think bigger picture and you got to do that right now, I think at least that's what I'm doing as a Patriots fan. I'm thinking big picture. I'm thinking playoffs. I'm thinking first round bye. I'm thinking AFC championship. It needs to be at Gillette Stadium. And I've told you, if you read my column in the Boston Metro on Friday, and you can read it every Friday, I am on to Denver. Week 12. Yes, Patriots, and I said this before the Redskins game, looking at it saying they have three games, and then Denver. But I'm on to Denver because the Patriots are going to win the next three. And that game, Week 12, Sunday Night Football against the Broncos in Denver is going to be a huge game. And playoff implications, fuck that. We're talking about AFC Championship. Who's going to have the home game implications? That's what that's going to be, that game. Tiebreaker, baby. I, you know, and, and so, you, but you find yourself, at least I did, kind of rooting for Indy as tough as it may be. Would have made it a little bit easier. You know, Vinatieri kicks another field goal because I like Vinatieri uh, for the obvious reasons, for what he did for this Patriots organization. But, I I mean, the Broncos are about to make a stop. All they had to do was make one more stop on third down. 
And you get the ball back after a field goal. The Colts would have led it 30-24. to They would have led it 30-24. to And Peyton Manning, the story for Denver would have been great. He gets the all-time passing yards in his career, the all-time record, right, with, what, three more yards passing, so one more pass, that's it. And you drive down, and you got a chance to put one in the end zone, right? Because Talese penalty, what, two and a half minutes left. You got, you got a time, you got a timeout. You got the two minute warning. I mean, come on, this is, you got a shot. You got a shot. You got a real shot if you're Denver. If you get the ball back to drive downfield and score, you do. And I mean, with the playmaking receivers that Denver has, you got a shot. A keep to leave comes over, gives Dwayne Allen the eye rake, <laughs> unnecessary roughness penalty. Gives him a first and goal, right? Half the distance of the goal at the six-yard line. Game over. Game over. So Indianapolis beats Denver. I did not think that was going to happen. And Denver's now 7-1. and one. We saw, we've watched the Indianapolis Colts play this season. And they are not a very good football team. But I will say this. Andrew Luck, I, I, look, if you're Andrew Luck, and I think this is something that I overlooked in this game because we talked about Peyton Manning going back home to Indy and the emotions that are riding high there. Well, Andrew Luck must have some emotions too. And he must, his emotions must be like, hey, everybody's been shitting on us this season. And now Peyton Manning comes in. He's undefeated. He's the quarterback that, you know, you he took this franchise and took him, uh, you know, to a place that, that – I have not taken this franchise yet, so everybody's looking at him. I don't want to let him come into my building and do what he used to do. I'm going to do what he used to do. Uh, so I'm going to win, I'm going to win this regular regular season game. And so I think I sort of overlooked the Andrew Luck being emotional, being extra fired up for this game. I looked, I overlooked that aspect of it. He was good, Andrew Luck, 21 of 36, 252 through two touchdowns, did not throw an interception. And uh, he rushed for 34 yards in this one. And Frank Gore had a touchdown as well. And the Colts beat the Broncos 27-24. to They slayed the defensive beast that was the Denver Broncos defense. And now we're looking at that Week 12 game going, well, st- look, it still means something, and it's still going to be a very big game. And because it is in Denver, it is still going to be tough. I- I'm sorry. It's still going to be a tough game. It is. It's going to be tough. Do I think the Patriots can win it? Yeah, I think they can win it. Even though I've admitted that it was going to be a tough game weeks ago, I still said the Patriots can go into Denver and win. It's just going to be the toughest test of the season. And just because Denver went into Indy and lost to the Colts, I think you've got to give some credit to what Andrew Luck and the Colts did too. I won't sit back now and say, well, it's going to be a much easier game in Week 12 in Denver. It's not. It's going to be a very difficult game, just as difficult as I thought it was going to be before the Broncos went into Indianapolis and lost to the 4-5, and five, the now 4-5 and five Indianapolis Colts. Still going to be a tough game, but one less undefeated team because the Broncos lose to the Colts. So three undefeateds, Patriots, Bengals, and Carolina Panthers, uh, I mentioned a couple of the games that were basically playoff games yesterday. Okay, Carolina, they survived the Green Bay comeback. So the NFC playoff picture, I mean, Carolina's the one seed. Packers right now with a two seed at 6-2. and two, So you could say Carolina's got, you know, a two-game lead over the Packers. But even, you could really say maybe a three-game lead because if at any point it's tied, Packers, 
you know, they do not have that tiebreaker. Carolina has that tiebreaker with, with the win, the head-to-head win over Green Bay. So just a, a, a huge win for Carolina yesterday with, yes, playoff implications because it looks like the road to the Super Bowl in the NFC is going to go through Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers in Carolina. It absolutely looks like that. And when you look at the rest of the NFC games with playoff implications, I mean, I was looking at New Orleans going, all right, they're going into Tennessee. They got an easy schedule moving forward. It looks like Drew Brees has come alive and his shoulder's fine and he's figuring out his offense without Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham's in Seattle. Looked like it took him a little bit to get used to some of the other receivers. New Orleans looks good, but their defense, man, you got to come up with a stop and what you, Mariota, Marcus Mariota yesterday, in overtime, downfield, going cross-body, rolling out of the pocket, throws the ball to the other side of the field in the end zone, and Tennessee beats New Orleans with a touchdown in overtime. Yes, the same Tennessee Titans that only have two wins now with that win. They were a one-win team. They came into your building. They came into New Orleans and beat the Saints. I mean, that's... The Saints, if they don't make the playoffs, if they don't get a wild card spot, you, you're you going to look back at that Tennessee game. You have to look back at the schedule and think, hey, if we want to get in, especially in the NFC, all the teams that are battling for a wild card, there's a lot more teams battling for a wild card in the NFC than there are in the AFC, right? Minnesota, Atlanta, St. Louis, Seattle. Now you got to throw Philly in with the Philly win last, last night. So one of those NFC East teams... And New Orleans, I mean, that, think about think about how many teams that is. One, two, three, four, five, six. That's six teams battling for two wildcard spots. In the AFC, you really only have the Jets, the Steelers, and the Raiders. I mean, do people really want to throw Buffalo or Kansas City on Miami into that conversation? I know I'm not going to do that. It's so, we're talking about in double the amount of teams battling for a wildcard spot in the NFC. And New Orleans was in that race, but if they don't make it, they're now at four and five. With the schedule that they have, they're going to be kicking themselves with that Tennessee game, I think. They really are. So, I mean, the Saints blew one yesterday uh, by losing to Tennessee. And, uh, you know, it's sticking with the NFC in their playoff race. I mean, Atlanta, they lose two straight games now. And the Atlanta Falcons, if the playoffs began today, Atlanta at six and three. They would get in with the sixth and final, with the sixth seed and the final wild card spot in the NFC, and they'd be going to Arizona. So Atlanta not doing themselves any favors. They have lost two straight. You know who they lost to? Obviously, you know they lost to San Francisco yesterday, but before that, they lost to Tampa Bay, a Tampa Bay team that is three and five, a Tampa Bay team that lost to the New York Giants yesterday in Tampa Bay. So Atlanta, they are just a team. I told you, don't, don't bet on Atlanta at all rest of the season. They play down to the competition. Matt Ryan is bound to make some stupid mistakes during a game, even in which a game that it looks like he's dominating. And on top of it, the other problem that it seems Atlanta has, and you saw it late in this game yesterday, is their coaching. Dan Quinn needs to be fired today. Needs to be fired. Head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, if you saw how they lose this game yesterday, the Atlanta Falcons, it is downright laughable. So as much praise as I gave Week 9 and the Sunday that was yesterday with some very exciting games, with some good football, you know, 
last week was a week I was all into the NFL because of the how much some of these games meant. And there was some very good football that was played. And I have not been able to say that throughout the National Football League this season. But yesterday was one of those rare days in the 2015 NFL season where there was some very good football to be played that was played. But that doesn't mean we were without our terrible coaching mistakes. That's exactly what you had with the Atlanta Falcons in their game. The Atlanta Falcons, again, they're coming off a loss to Tampa Bay. They look at Carolina. Carolina's a team that now is undefeated. You know, they're ahead of you in the division. You're trying to keep pace with them. They can stop thinking about that because now they're 6-3. and three. But yesterday in San Francisco, a terrible 49ers team that decided to bench Colin Kaepernick, that went with playing Gabbitt. The 49ers are brutal. Brutal. Atlanta trailed the game. 17 to 13. They trail by four points. And if you need me to do the math for you, that means that a field goal at the end of this game does not tie the game. You still would trail by one point. So the 49ers lead Atlanta 17 to 13 in San Francisco. Okay? You got that that you got that? Atlanta's driving. They get down. They move the ball from their own 33-yard line. They had the ball with seven minutes left in the fourth, down four points. Atlanta moves the ball down to the San Francisco one-yard line. It is fourth and goal at the one, all right? Down four points, fourth and goal at the one, down four points. And I am, by the way, I'm not yelling and screaming about this game because of any type of uh, picks that I made or, or any spreads or money lines. It doesn't matter. I'm just, this is strictly football talk. This, to me, this is football 101, and you could find a lot of kids who are home right now, skipping school, playing Madden, that would have decided with two minutes and 56 seconds left, with three, we'll call it three minutes, three minutes left in a game in which you trail by four points on the road at the one-yard line, you would get kids skipping school playing Madden today who would make the decision to go for it on fourth down rather than kick the field goal, and those kids would make the right decision. Dan Quinn, Atlanta Falcons coach, you know what he did? He kicked a field goal. He kicked a fucking field goal. Now, let me tell you what that did. That cut the 49ers lead to one. 49ers still lead the game. They still lead it by one point. They get the ball back. What do they do? Well, they don't give it back to Atlanta. I tell you that. Game over. Game over. That's it. Atlanta, how do you not go for it on fourth down? I'm sitting there yelling at my TV. Like, what type of decision is this? And on the broadcast, they're going, well, confident in his defense. And, uh, you know, they, they figure they get the points now. They get the ball back, and it gives them enough time to score. No, 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 no. This is not a situation in which you're down at the 35, 40-yard line. You're running out of time, and you say, hey, let's kick the field goal and try to get the ball back. That's a different story. You're at the one-yard line. If you go for it and, and don't get it, you trail by four points, still one possession game, right? But you still have to have the same defensive mindset as if you had when you kicked the field goal. You still got to make a stop to get the ball back. So what? I don't get it. Even if you went for it on fourth and one and you didn't get it, you give the ball to San Fran and Blaine Gabbitt at their own one-yard line <laughs> on top of that. And 
you still have to have the same defensive mindset that you had when you kicked the field goal, when you still trailed the game, which was make a stop on defense. So why wouldn't you just go for it on fourth and goal from the one? And if you get a touchdown there, all you got to do is QB sneak it. You know what the Patriots would have done? Tom Brady, QB sneak. Game over. Okay? That's it. That's it. Atlanta Falcons, uh, we got it down to the one. We'll kick the field goal. And then we'll try to get the ball back. I mean, if you go for it on fourth down and you don't get it, you still have to try to get the ball back. Same mindset that you had defensively once you kicked the field goal. Makes no sense. Dan Quinn needs to be fired. That is as dumb a decision that I have seen in the league this season. And maybe ever. I don't know why you wouldn't go for that at that moment. And you, Matt Ryan even gave like the double look. They pulled him off the field like he looked like, really? We're, we're going to come off? And Dan Quinn's like, well, yeah, there's three minutes left in the game. I figure we get the points and we get the ball back. Yeah, you didn't get the ball back. You should have went for it on fourth down, and you might have scored, and you might have won the game instead of now losing two straight to the Buccaneers and the 49ers and being the sixth seed in the NFC with the Rams behind you, with the Seahawks behind you, with the Eagles, and I guess you could still say the Saints behind you. Man, Atlanta's not a lock for the playoffs. They're not. And this is a Falcons team that began the season. They have a favorable schedule. I mean, come on. They had, ev- they had everything going their way. And uh, here they are just puking all over themselves with back-to-back losses to Tampa Bay and the 49ers. You combine the 49ers and Tampa Bay's record, and they combined have the same number of wins as the Atlanta Falcons this season. Because the Falcons now are just blowing it for themselves in a year in which they got an easy schedule uh, especially moving forward, I just, it's, it's too bad for him. Too bad for the Atlanta Falcons. You looked at their schedule to begin the season, you can make the argument that they could have started 9-0. and Here they are now 6-3. and And I think that if I'm a Falcon fan today, I am going after Dan Quinn. I, <laughs> I cannot believe they decided to kick that field goal yesterday. Can't believe it. I'm honestly in shock by it. I, I was shocked then. The more I think about it and talk about it now, it's it's just an easy decision to go for it on fourth and one. And if you don't get it, what? You're still going to make a stop, and they get the ball at their own one. Not really an overpowering 49ers offense either. <laughs> so, crazy decision-making in that game. But that looks like, uh, and oh, the NFC, Minnesota, I told you that was, stick with the NFC for a second before I get to another AFC game. Minnesota, they defeat the Rams in overtime. Teddy Bridgewater, though, out of this game, hurt, took a terrible hit to the head as he was sliding to the ground. This is as dirty a hit as you're going to get. And um, Bridgewater, concussion, left the game. Minnesota used quarterback Sean Hill in replacement. I I don't know what the timetable is going to be. You never really can figure out a timetable with a concussion because they are all different. So we don't know what the timetable is going to be for Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, But I can tell you what, Minnesota, and I'm not saying Bridgewater is like this MVP quarterback type, but he certainly has been doing things to make the right decisions and at least not lose games to the Vikings. And when you got the defense that they have and the running back in Adrian Peterson that they have, then you got a good chance to win some football games. And I told you before the season, I think the Vikings are going to the playoffs. 
Here they are now, winning this game yesterday over the Rams at 6-2. and two. That's a big game. That's a playoff game. Because St. Louis is 4-4. Four and four. You know, if whoever wins that game, you get to any type of tiebreaker late in the season for a wild card spot between Minnesota and St. Louis, Minnesota wins a tiebreaker. Essentially making that game in Week 9 a playoff game yesterday. The Vikings win, but they lose their quarterback. It's a tough loss. Again, it's not like they're losing a Brady or, you know, or an Aaron Rodgers-type quarterback, but they're certainly losing a kid that was gaining the respect of his teammates that is, you know, building to be a leader on that offense that is making a lot of the right decisions rather than the wrong ones. And, uh, again, not, not lighting up the score sheet or the box score by any means, but, but doing all the right things to put his team in position where they can win with defense and win with a running back that you know is an absolute beast on that field every single Sunday. The Vikings right now with the win, if the playoffs began today, they are the five seed, and they go to New York to play the Giants in the first wildcard round. And that is a very winnable game for the Vikings. It is. Uh, but, you know, you just, I guess, as a Vikings, if, if Vikings fans need a hope, that Teddy Bridgewater can get back. Um, you know, what can they do with Sean Hill? I don't know. I guess it depends. Is Sean Hill going to be one of these guys that's going to come in, you know, being rusty and make some terrible mistakes? I would hope that the game plan, you wouldn't put him in position to make terrible mistakes. But sometimes, you know, you do have to throw the football. We'll, we'll see what he can do there under center for Minnesota. But a tough loss for them. Uh, but Minnesota with a huge win yesterday, given the playoff implications, even at the midway point of the NFL season. Another game with playoff implications, as I talked about, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they defeated the Oakland Raiders with a late field goal in this game. Now, sort of transferring the topic here to picks picks. I told you I went 2-2 two and two on Sunday. My wins were the Vikings minus 1.5 over the Rams and the Giants minus 2.5 over the Buccaneers. My losses were... The Broncos minus six. I had picked the Broncos over the Colts, so I lost that. And I lost Steelers minus five over the Raiders in Pittsburgh. I felt very confident that Pittsburgh was going to win this game, and they did. But they just could not cover. I thought they would. They were set on covering. It was a lock. They took a two-touchdown lead late in this game. And then here comes Oakland. Got to give Oakland credit. But then Pittsburgh, Ben Roethlisberger gets hurt. Landry Jones comes in. And Jones... Gives a pass to Antonio Brown late in the late in the game. Antonio Brown runs all the way down the right sideline. I'm yelling. I'm going, get on your horse. Get on your horse. He goes out of bounds. And then they give it to D'Angelo Williams. He almost gets in the end zone. The touchdown would have covered for me and put me at 3-1. and one. Instead, he can't get in. He gets out at the 1. And the Steelers kick the field goal to win the game late. And uh, I did think the Steelers are going to win. I just can't take credit for the win because they did not cover at minus five. Pittsburgh wins at 38-35. So I lose that game with my picks because the Steelers didn't cover at minus five. But uh, Pittsburgh now will be without Ben Roethlisberger for a couple more weeks. He comes back, plays a couple weeks. Now he's out. He's got a foot injury. Roethlisberger will be back. Uh, I think... I do think that long-term they're going to really miss Le'Veon Bell, but they do have a lot of offensive weapons. And even though they let up 35 points yesterday to Oakland, we have to acknowledge how good an offense Oakland Raiders 
seem to have right now, especially with Derek Carr. Derek Carr is the type of guy that I have on my bench in fantasy football, and I'm not giving him up. I could probably make a move for a team that's hurting with their quarterback right now, that wants to make a push, that could use a guy like Derek Carr, who has weapons like Amari Cooper, who puts up a whole lot of points every week. But I'm going to keep him because this could be a potential. I'm going to keep a league. I could potentially keep Derek Carr, and it would not cost me, uh, you know, a top six draft pick because you lose the draft pick in the round that you take him. So I picked Derek Carr up off of waivers, so I believe I lose like a ninth-round pick. I think that's the rule in the league, but it's not a top five, top six pick. That's for sure. So you got to credit Oakland for what they have offensively and what they were able to do. The question is for the Steelers now, hey, if the playoffs began today, Steelers are in. They're the sixth seed, the final wildcard spot at 5-4. and four. They got the Jets ahead of them. The Jets beat Jacksonville. Um, the Jets with a 5-3 and three record. I think they're still going to have some questions about their quarterback and Fitzpatrick's dumb moving forward. But the Jets are 5-3 and three with the 5 seed if the playoffs began today. Jets would be going to Indy for the first round. Pittsburgh would be going to Denver for a first-round matchup because Denver lost, Pittsburgh won, Pittsburgh at 5-4. and four. Oakland on the outside looking in with a 4-4 four and four record. Buffalo, they won their game over the weekend yesterday in Buffalo against the Miami Dolphins. Sammy Watkins with a big day. But still, I'm not taking the Bills too seriously right now. Bills are at 4-4. Four and four. I do think that the wild card in the AFC is going to be between the Jets, the Steelers, Oakland. I think the Jets got the easiest schedule, so I think you've got to put them in. And Pittsburgh, the reason this was such a big win yesterday is much like some of the things I've said before uh, on this show with some of these games with playoff implications, is that Pittsburgh now owns that tiebreaker over Oakland if Pittsburgh and Oakland, and both of these teams have very tough schedules moving forward, the Raiders and the Steelers. If they finish with the same record, then Pittsburgh's going in and Oakland's out. So that's why that game yesterday going in was such a big one. And Pittsburgh, they get the win. So credit Landry Jones leading them on that game-winning drive. They kicked the field goal late, and they beat the Raiders, uh, but they do not cover. So I'm 2-2 two and two for picks-picks over the weekend my fifth game is tonight. Again, Chargers minus four over the Bears in San Diego. I think that even without Keenan Allen, San Diego is still better than their two and six record shows. And I think you got. I'm going to try to take advantage of some home cooking here with San Diego and hope that they can at least win this game over a bad Bears team by six points. So that's how my picks looked yesterday on Sunday. And then the final game of the day, actually, I can't move on without talking about this. The final game was last night, Sunday night football. It was the, it was the NFC East. I mean, we saw the Giants win earlier in the day. So this is a big game between the Eagles and the Cowboys and the Eagles win it. Eagles look good, but you know, the Cowboys to me, without Tony Romo, if they had Tony Romo, I definitely, I'd be sitting here telling you that, look, the Cowboys, you look at that division, and right now the Giants are 5-4 and four with their win uh, over Tampa Bay in first place. The Eagles, they beat the Cowboys last night, so uh, they are 4-4, four and four, back to 500. Uh, the Redskins lost to the Patriots, they're 3-5, and five, and of course the Cowboys with the loss are 2-6. and six. But if Romo was healthy and Des Bryant didn't miss all that time, you know, 
I think this would look a whole lot different. In fact, I think you'd probably be looking at a Cowboys would probably flipped from two and six to six and two. That's how I think this division would look. But it's not like that. Cowboys are without Romo. Des Bryant is back, but Castle just isn't good enough. Uh, Castle did have a couple big drives late, but I also think that says something about Philly because, you know, I don't buy into them. But credit what credit's due to the Eagles. They went out and they won this game in overtime last night, and they won it with a touchdown from Sam Bradford. And uh, the Eagles are at 4-4, four and four, and they are in a playoff race. I got to put them in. I got to put them in because, and it might not be for the division. I, I look at it, but it might be. I mean, they might win the division. I think it's a crapshoot without Dallas being any good. Really, it's going to be between the Giants and the Eagles. But what I'm saying is, whatever team doesn't win the NFC East is also going to be in a wild card race. I, I believe that. At least right now they are. So that's what the Eagles do. They keep themselves in a race for the division with their win last night, uh, but they also keep themselves in a race for the wild card with a 4-4 four and four record, St. Louis losing, and Seattle not playing this weekend, and also New Orleans losing, Atlanta also losing. So Philly is alive in the wild card spot as well with their win last night. But last night's Sunday night game, I mean, it really wasn't Philly versus Dallas. It was it was the Greg Hardy show because before the game, everyone's talking about Greg Hardy. Everybody's on their soapbox, and 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 for the most part, I'll acknowledge that the crew on NBC last night they acknowledged that Greg Hardy is a bad dude, okay, and that the four game suspension was just not enough. However. In the process of saying that and telling us that, there was something that was said last night. It wasn't just said. It was it was said in a way in which Bob Costas turned an opinion into fact and tried to tell us that Roger Goodell should not be blamed for, the, for Greg Hardy playing in the NFL right now as we speak with the Dallas Cowboys this season. That Roger Goodell should not be blamed. He said, you can blame it on the Cowboys. You can blame it on the NFL PA. You can blame it on the guy who heard Greg Hardy's 10-game suspension appeal and knocked it down to four. Blame them, but do not blame Roger Goodell. In fact, let's play the audio because Bob Costas, before the game last night, and if you follow me on Twitter, you know I was very fired up about this. Before the game, Bob Costas gave us this speech about how we cannot blame Roger Goodell for this Greg Hardy stuff and the fact that he's actually still playing in the league because this stuff is coming up again after photos were released early last late last week, early this weekend. Photos released of Greg Hardy's ex-girlfriend after Greg Hardy, after that whole domestic violence incident and their disgusting pictures. I went off on Friday's podcast crushing Roger Goodell and Bob Costas, I'm sorry. I, I, I think he's just absolutely dead fucking wrong on this one. And Bob Costas is someone that I respect. I respect his opinion. That's why I watch him. That's why I listen to him. But I think he's dead wrong on this one. I'll let you listen, and, and then I'll react. Here's Bob Costas last night before the game, looking into the camera, speaking by himself, speaking to the National Football League audience, okay? And te- not, not saying this is his opinion. Telling us that we cannot blame Roger Goodell for anything in this Greg Hardy situation, or at least anything that has to do with 
the fact that he only got a four-game suspension. Here's the audio. The photos only provide more graphic proof of what we already knew. Greg Hardy is a bad guy who happens to be a good football player. In what amounted to a preliminary hearing, a North Carolina judge found Hardy guilty. But before a subsequent jury trial, Hardy reached a settlement with Holder. She didn't testify, and prosecutors dropped the case. Then this past week, the initial conviction was expunged, meaning technically Hardy's record is clean. As for the NFL, over the past couple of years, Commissioner Roger Goodell has received a good deal of criticism, some of it fair, some not. But after initially faltering in the Ray Rice case, Goodell vowed to get it right going forward. And in the Hardy case, he definitely tried to make good on that promise. As part of its own investigation, the league gained access to the photos the public is just now seeing. And Goodell suspended Hardy for 10 games at the start of this season. Still not enough for some, but a significant step up from past punishments in domestic violence cases. The Players Association appealed on Hardy's behalf, arguing in part that since Hardy's offense occurred before the personal conduct policy was strengthened, his discipline should be based on the previous guidelines. And arbitrator Harold Henderson, citing those precedents, reduced the penalty to four games. That's on Henderson and the Players Association. They saw the pictures, they knew the severity of the offense, and they fought for a reduction nonetheless. Once Henderson ruled under the terms of the collective bargaining agreement, that was that. Nothing else the commissioner can do, unless and until there is a next time with Greg Hardy. So, you can shake your head at the perceived flaws of the judicial system. You can fault the Cowboys for signing Hardy in the first place, and Jerry Jones for calling him one of the real leaders of his team. You can root for Hardy to fail, and for the rest of the league to show little interest in him if he becomes a free agent after this season. But here's what you can't do this time. You can't blame Roger Goodell. And you can't deny this cold truth about big-time sports. No matter what kind of guy he is, if a guy can play, there will always be a market somewhere for his services. I mean, what? I don't know if anybody else heard this live or saw this live and reacted the way that I reacted, but I'm sorry. All I can think of as he's telling me this is deflategate. And all I can think of while thinking of that is that deflategate and domestic violence are two things that are not comparable at any level. It's, it's not even, these two things are not even close. And, and I don't want to be that guy that puts them into the same conversation. But when you have somebody who has as big a voice and important a voice as Bob Costas has, I'm sorry, I need to bring it up. Because as he tries to tell us that Roger Goodell, we cannot blame Roger Goodell. Oh, really? Why? Because an arbitrator in an appeal hearing knocked Greg Hardy's suspension? down to four games. Again, he just gave you the background there of everything that happened. Greg Hardy was found guilty of this. We don't need the pictures to know what happened. He was found guilty. I said this on Friday's podcast. We shouldn't need these pictures to to change our mind about this situation. And I haven't. I felt this way the whole time. Four-game suspension is just not enough. It's just not enough. But what Bob Costas is trying to say is, well, it's not Roger Goodell's fault that the suspension got knocked down. And I'm sitting there going, thinking back to the flake gate, going, yes, it is. Yes, it is his fault. Yes, it is. Did, did he not? I mean, I don't understand what he doesn't get about this. 
did he not pay attention to what happened in Deflategate? Because here's what happened in Deflategate. Roger Goodell, commissioner of the National Football League, decided that he was going to appoint himself to be the arbitrator in Tom Brady's appeal of a four-game suspension that Roger Goodell handed down. I know he says Troy Vincent handed it down. Come on. Roger Goodell is the guy that okays all this shit. He's the fucking commissioner. Okay? He, it's the Roger Goodell. This is a Roger Goodell suspension. I don't care what they say or what they write or what, who wants to send the letters. Great. What, Roger Goodell? He, he, they, Troy Vincent is out there suspending people for shit and Roger Goodell's like, oh, I didn't know that. Did you? You suspended Brady four games? Oh, I'm gonna, gonna have to hear the appeal for this one then, I guess. I mean, no, that's not how it works. Roger Goodell signs off on everything. He's the commissioner. So they suspend Brady four games. Roger Goodell appoints himself as the man to hear the appeal, to be the arbitrator in the appeal hearing. Tom Brady, NFLPA, appeal hearing. And after the appeal, Roger Goodell upholds the suspension. Says, nope, the suspension stands. It's four games. I gave the suspension. I hear the appeal. And I'm keeping the suspension at four games. Roger Goodell can do that. Did, did Bob Costas not pay attention to that? Did, did he not know that that happened? How do you not? It was the biggest fucking NFL story of all time. Over air pressure in football. In football. It's stupid. It's the dumbest story ever. And all I could do whenever I turned on guys like Bob Costas, or N- NBC, ESPN, you name it. It's all they could talk about for nine fucking months. PSIs. Stupidity. Tom Brady gets the same amount of games as Greg Hardy, and Bob Costas is going to sit there, and he's going to try to tell me that Roger Goodell did Roger Goodell did everything that he could do when just a couple months ago we saw Roger Goodell pick his spots on what suspensions he wanted to hear the appeals of and what ones he wanted to uphold. So what? Let me ask you this, Bob Costas. Let me ask you this. If Roger Goodell can do that for Deflategate, why couldn't he do that for a guy who beat his girlfriend, who threw his girlfriend on a bed full of guns? We see pictures now. We know from the report last night that the NFL and Roger Goodell saw those pictures, and that's why they came down with a 10-game suspension. Okay, 10-game suspension. All right. Now we're at least in the right – we're going in, a, in the right direction. You, He messed up on the Ray Rice thing. Okay, it's – you. You didn't do what you did with the Ray Rice thing, but 10 games, should it have been more? I think you can make the argument, should have been more than that. But at least we're taking a step in the right direction here. And then it goes to an appeal, and and what, Roger Goodell doesn't want to hear that? We know that Roger Goodell has the ability, he said it in the CBA. It's about process, fairness of the process. Roger Goodell says, I can do that. I can be the commissioner that hears the appeal. I, this, I can do it. I can uphold the suspension. Judge, jury, executioner, that's me, baby, Roger Goodell. So, how come he can do it with the flakeate, but he can't do it with the domestic violence incident? Bob Costas last night is trying to tell me that Roger Goodell did everything he could do while he knows that Roger Goodell went above and beyond to make sure that Tom Brady's suspension stood at four games. 
So if he could do that about air pressure in a football, why couldn't he do that about domestic violence? And knowing that he did it about, he, he did go in and hear the appeal himself and uphold the four-game suspension on air pressure in football, and also knowing that he didn't choose to do that for domestic violence, you cannot sit there and tell me that Roger Goodell should be let off the hook or that he did everything he can or that... We shouldn't blame, or we can't blame, Roger Goodell for Greg Hardy playing on Sunday Night Football with the Dallas Cowboys after these disgusting pictures have been released to the public. I mean, I I couldn't believe he was saying it. I I just honestly couldn't believe it. It's like you spent 10 months on Deflategate, and you're just going to forget about everything that happened and everything that the commissioner apparently has the power to do. You're just going to ignore it. Oh, my God. Just, I, I could not believe what I was hearing. And it wasn't just him saying it. It was the way he was saying it. Like, you can blame him. You can blame the NFLPA. You can blame the guy. He's blaming the guy who, who heard the appeal. I'm sitting there going, don't you know that Goodell can hear the fucking appeal? He just heard Brady's. Oh, man. I, I don't understand it. I don't. And the, some of the tweets are rolling. Some of the tweets that were coming in. Here's one guy. Fletcher Boykin says, the appeal can be heard by an arbitrator where it was reduced. Because, let me give you my tweet. I said, apparently Bob Costas forgot that whole thing where Roger Goodell can hear the appeals and uphold his own suspensions. That was my tweet. Someone tweets me. The appeal can be heard by an arbitrator where it was reduced. Yeah, no shit, Sherlock. I'm fucking explaining that to you. I'm explaining that Roger Goodell was the arbitrator and refused to reduce Tom Brady's suspension. Wake the fuck up! Then some other clown comes at me and he says, of which, his name is Ryan Evans, he says, of which everyone criticized Goodell for and called for his job. Hashtag can't win. <laughs> well, here's the deal. Criticize him, call for his job. If he has the ability to do that in the CBA, you better pick your fucking spots, okay? And what Roger Goodell is, what he did was, he picked the spots. He picked the wrong ones. You, you can't get that through your head? He picked the wrong ones. If he has the ability to be the judge, jury, executioner, right now, under the CBA, which he's been pounding his chest about and defending and saying he has the right to do it, then you better pick your spots correctly. And if you're going to go this hard after someone over air pressure in a football when you really have no factual evidence that can hold up in a court of law, much like Richard Berman said, Judge Richard Berman, you're going to go after someone like that? You, You better be going after someone who beats his girlfriend the way we saw Greg Hardy beat his girlfriend based on the pictures that just came out the other day, the pictures that Bob Costas last night told me and the rest of the world that you saw. That you saw. But yet, when it came to the appeal, you said, eh, I don't need to hear this one. Not this one. Nah. I'm going to give him 10 games. I'm not going to hear this one. But but you you get you text with a equipment manager about putting a needle in a football? Oh boy. I'm in for that one. That's the one I'm in for. I am all in on that. CBA says I can be here. Oh, I'm here for this one. Brady, Greg Hardy, same amount of games. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, for somebody who knows the league, like Bob Costas, for somebody who knows, you know, what happened in Deflategate, it's amazing to me that he can sit there, look at us on TV, and look, I respect Bob Costas. I, I'm a Bob Costas fan. I mean, it's just, he's somebody that you always see, always watch. He, you know, he's a big name. He's a huge name. He's a huge face in this business. You listen to someone like that. You know, when, that, when someone like that's talking about your team, you know it's a big thing. You, you, you know, so when it's something good, you feel really good about it when someone nationally like that is talking about your team or your players. But, you know, the, the focus on the Patriots, the last eight, nine months has been all negative with Deflategate. And by now, I think we know everything that happened in Deflategate, don't we? And yet, someone who knows everything that happened in Deflategate is going to sit there and tell us that Greg Hardy, all right, he's playing in this game. He shouldn't be. He's a bad man. But here's one person you can't blame is Roger Goodell because he did everything he could. He didn't do everything he could. He did everything he could to get Tom Brady suspended, not Greg Hardy suspended. How does someone like that, like Bob Costas, not understand that? Holy shit. Unbelievable. I can't believe it. I'm talking about it right now. I can't fucking believe it. Man. Like, I, I, I just, it's, it, I was so furious last night on my, on my couch watching that. And then you just get a couple knuckleheads. You still don't get it, Nate Tweet. Oh, wake the fuck up, people. Wake up. We spent so much time on Deflategate and everything that happened. No, figure it out. I thought Bob Costas would have it figured out. Apparently, he doesn't. <laughs> Apparently, he doesn't. All right. So, that was what the Sunday night game was. Oh, yeah, you know what? You know who else? Bob Costas? Did he? I, I hope he heard what the Philadelphia Eagles were saying after last night's game. How about that? A couple offensive linemen for Eagles. Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey. Offensive linemen for the Philadelphia Eagles last night. Went up against Greg Hardy. As you know, the Eagles won. They beat the Cowboys. Lane Johnson said this after the game. Quote, anytime I had a chance to put a little extra mustard on a block on Greg Hardy, I tried. And again, this is, he's talking to the Philadelphia Daily News. Johnson continues, he wasn't all that emotional in the game. I guess he is in other games. I don't know if the stuff got to him on the news, but he kind of seemed out of it a little bit, end quote. And then you got another offensive lineman, Jason Kelsey says, quote, I'm glad he didn't have a good day. It's a joke a guy like that is able to play this quickly, end quote. And you ask yourself, well, why is he able to play this quickly? And as Bob Costas tried to point out to us, well, it's because the NFLPA fought it, and the guy who heard the appeal cut the 10-game suspension down to four. The 10-game suspension was given by Roger Goodell, but that's, Roger Goodell did his job. That was it. He did all he could do. Eh, Wrong. Roger Goodell did not do all he could do, because if he did all he could do, we know... He could have been judge, jury, executioner. Much like he tried to be and was against Tom Brady over the air pressure in a football. So, 
Don't insult my intelligence with this one. I can't do it. And this isn't a Patriots thing. This isn't me being like, oh, Patriots, poor Patriots to flake it. This is me being human. A, a, a human, for crying out loud. Uh, a football fan. You know, Deflake could have been with the Tennessee Titans. And I would be sitting there with the same reaction over what Bob Costa said last night about Roger Goodell. That he did everything he could and we shouldn't be blaming him for anything. Please. Please. I, I, I don't even know. I, I, maybe he just forgot about the whole deflake process or didn't want to acknowledge it before he spoke and gave this soliloquy about uh, uh, Roger Goodell and how much he, we shouldn't blame him. Please. Uh, all right. Um, what else do we got? General managers meetings. Let's move on from football. But that's a, look, that's how, that's how Sunday ended. As I'm watching football, that's how Sunday ended for me. I'm, if anybody listened to him or watched it, that's how Sunday ended for some other people. And again, I like Bob Costas, and maybe that's why I'm, maybe that's why I'm so much more upset with this is because I, I do enjoy watching that segment. I enjoy watching and seeing what he has to say. He says that. He does something at halftime, right? I mean, I, I enjoy that. So when someone that you like says something that it's, to me is just so stupid and outrageous and, and is not true, but yet they're telling it to you like it's a fact. I mean, don't someone I like insulting my intelligence makes me that much more upset about it. But um, that, Greg Hardy played. He's playing. And... Uh, the Cowboys lose. Here's, here's the laughable part of everything. You know, Jerry Jones, he wants Greg Hardy. He's going to support him. He wants to sign him to an extension. You know, the, it's not like Greg Hardy is helping the Cowboys win your games. So why do you have to feel the need to speak out and defend the guy and say he wants a contract extension? I mean, Greg Hardy you used to play for the Carolina Panthers. Greg Hardy's not with the Carolina Panthers anymore. You know what the Panthers are doing? They're undefeated. They're thinking about an undefeated fucking season without Greg Hardy. Okay? Their defense is just fine without Greg Hardy. They, in fact, they're better. So, it, the whole thing is crazy. It's, if people say, well, he's a good football player, he's going to find a job. Well, how good is he? I get it. He's a physical beast. And, you know... He can get to the quarterback, but right now, you know, is he helping the Cowboys win games? Cowboys are two and six. <laughs> Dallas Cowboys, last place in the NFC East. They have lost six straight games. And I realize that a lot of that has to do with the fact that Tony Romo is out, that Des Bryant was out for an extended period of time. I get it. But uh the support that that organization, or at least that owner, has seemingly given him for a 2-6 and six ball club is another reason why we scratch our heads and we shake our heads in anger. And if you want to get on TV and try to tell me that the commissioner needs to be let off the hook or it cannot be blamed for the fact that Greg Hardy served the same amount of games that the commissioner wanted Tom Brady to serve... And again, for the people that say, well, Tom Brady got off. Yeah, he didn't get off because <laughs> he didn't get off because Roger Goodell went in there and and got rid of the suspension. A federal judge eliminated the suspension. Okay? That's what happened. Did the Brady 
NFLPA, they went the extra mile to fight that because the commissioner went the extra mile to uphold Brady's suspension. So, just to clarify that for people that don't understand how that ended and why Brady didn't actually serve a game in a suspension and why he won't serve a game in a suspension is because of Judge Richard Berman, not Roger Goodell. In fact, if Roger Goodell could have it his way, Tom Brady would be suspended four games And you know what? If you heard some owners talk about it, they wanted Tom Brady to serve more than four games. Other owners around the league. It's, it should not even be in the same conversation, but somebody last night by the name of Bob Costas wanted to bring Roger Goodell into it. And since he brought Roger Goodell into it, I'm not going to let Bob Costas off the hook, much like he seems to be letting Roger Goodell off the hook. Sorry, I'm not doing it, and I'm not buying into what Costas is feeding me and the rest of the football world last night. He's full of shit. And so is Roger Goodell. Major League Baseball GM meetings this week in Florida. Um, One Major League Baseball note that's pretty big. The Minnesota Twins, they win the bidding for 29-year-old Korean slugger Byung-ho Park. They they win the bidding at $12.85 million. Now, this does not mean that he's definitely going to Minnesota. It just means that the Twins have a 30-day exclusive negotiating window with this Korean slugger. And, uh, you know, if they can come to a deal, then he'll be a Minnesota Twin. But they have a 30-day exclusive negotiating window. So the Twins pay 12.85 mil to just talk to them by themselves. I would think that if you pay 12.85 mil to talk to someone, that you do everything you can to get a deal done. So officially, the, uh, Byung-Ho Park is not a twin. But you would like to think that an organization wouldn't pay 13 mil to talk to someone and not get a deal done. You'd just be throwing, that's like taking 13 mil and throwing it in the trash. I mean, you would think that they wouldn't do that, but I guess crazier things have happened in Major League Baseball when big money is involved, especially when big name players like they're saying this kid could be, Byung Ho Park, coming from uh, Korea, 29 years old again. So he's not the youngest kid in the league, but right now it looks like. He's going to be going to the Minnesota Twins. And then bringing it back here locally with the Red Sox, Hanley Ramirez and his agent are in Florida to talk with Red Sox officials for the GM meetings here. Red Sox president of baseball operations, Dave Dombrowski, calls it, quote, general business, end quote. Now, you know what? I'm, I've never been to the GM meetings I've never been to the winter meetings. I follow this stuff pretty good, though. Uh, I love the Major League Baseball offseason. <laughs> I love the hot stove. I love the GM meetings. I love the winter meetings. I love the rumors that go along with it. I love the free agent signings. I love talking about blockbuster trades. And hopefully here in Boston, we're talking about both blockbuster trades and free agent signings this winter. And Dave Dombrowski is going to be involved in the middle of it. But you also get some other things going on. Hanley Ramirez, you're trying to move him from the outfield to first base. You know, I, I don't want Hanley in the outfield, but I, I don't know that I really want him at first base either. If I want him anywhere, maybe third base, a position he's played. I, I honestly think the logical thing would be, move to pa- would be to move Pablo Sandoval over to first base, right? Because that means every ball that's hit on the ground, you want Hanley Ramirez touching that ball, being a part of that play? I don't. Uh, but you also talk about the potential of trading him. And 
you could do that. Will it happen? I don't know. I don't see why they wouldn't try. But the bottom line is this. When you hear that Hanley and his agent are talking to Dave Dombrowski, one year after Hanley signed a multi-year deal with the Red Sox, I'll tell you what they're not talking about. They're not talking about contract extension, okay? So we can rule that one out right away. So if they're not talking about contract extension, just why are these two sides getting together? Well, I'd like to think that part of it has to do with the move to first base. But I would also like to think that that conversation already happened. When Hanley Ramirez, via Dave Dombrowski, Dave Dombrowski came in, and I think the first thing he did was have Hanley Ramirez take ground balls before games at first base, something that Ben Sherrington and the boys didn't do. So I would think that maybe there was a conversation about that probably then. So do we really think that this is a conversation about Hanley playing first? Or do we think that this is maybe some type of conversation to get a vibe as to how much Hanley Ramirez actually wants to be in Boston if he is going to be a first baseman? I, If I had a bet, I'm going to bet that this conversation, like I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of Dave Dombrowski, president of baseball operations for the Red Sox, and I'm trying to figure out just why is it that I want to have a conversation with Hanley and his agent. And you could say, well, maybe Hanley and his agent want to have a conversation with you, Dave Dombrowski. Well, if I'm Dave Dombrowski, I say, "Eh, I got other things going on here, boys. And what are you looking for? You're not looking for an extension. You're under a pretty good contract that you just signed last year. What are we going to talk about? First base stuff? We already talked about that. I, 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 I'm, I'm willing to bet this is not about first base. I'm willing to bet this is about interest level and wanting to stay with the Red Sox organization. Honestly, wanting to play in Boston. I, 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 I just I think this is about that. And if Dombrowski gets a sense... That, man, the first base thing in in Hanley's, deep down inside, Hanley does not want to do that. Or Hanley wants to go play somewhere else. You know, I think Dombrowski's trying to get a vibe. And perhaps, and this is just me, this is my opinion on this meeting. That maybe this is the first story we hear in a series of stories that lead to an ultimate Hanley Ramirez trade out of town. I, I... I, put it this way, I would not be surprised if it is, if this is what we're, this is the first story in a series of multiple stories that end with Hanley getting traded away to an American League team to be their DH. Would not be surprised. I, I General business, all I'm going to say is I don't think, when we say general business, what does that mean? I think this has to do more than just general business. That's all. That's all. So we'll keep an eye on it. Keep an eye on the GM meetings. Any news that comes out, I'll react to it. And then in the NHL and NBA locally, the Bruins, they lose in Montreal on Saturday night, but they get a big win with Tuca in net yesterday. For people that were watching football and weren't paying attention, especially for all the people that are coming at me saying, Danny, the the Bruins need to trade Tuca Rask. You know, I do not feel that way. In fact, I feel the complete opposite. And the people that were watching football yesterday, I hope I hope you saw some highlights or at least read the box score. If you didn't, I'll tell you. Bruins win over the Islanders in Brooklyn yesterday, 2-1. to one. Tuka Rask, huge, huge day for him. Huge. 36 saves. 
by Tuca in a Bruins win. The Bees host the Colorado Avalanche Thursday night. And then uh, the Celtics, they whooped the Wizards at the Garden on Friday night. Geno time at the Garden for the Celtics. This game was over in the first quarter. Celtics led 40-25 to in the first. Jared Sullinger with a big day. Evan Turner with a big day. Isaiah Thomas with a big day. And I'm looking at it going, well, when Marcus Smart gets back, you got to keep Isaiah Thomas in the starting lineup. Do you take Avery Bradley out? Maybe. Maybe. And Jay Crowder? Is he a little knee injury here? I think suffered a little bit of a scare. Should be okay. But still, I mean, do you think about putting Evan Turner in the starting lineup? I think you have to. And Jared Sullinger, at this point, the game he had the other night, last couple of performances from him, I don't know how you can take him out of the starting lineup. So, Celtics, it's good, a good problem to have with the depth that they have. But uh, I would like to see... You know, they are mixing and matching some things in the starting lineup, but you got to keep the guys that are performing in it, I think. The best players need to be in the starting lineup. And right now, your best players on this team, Jared Sullinger, Isaiah Thomas, and yes, Evan Turner. He does not get the credit he deserves in this time. For the things that he did last year and the things that, that he did against the Wizards on Friday night that I think if he keeps getting the playing time, Evan Turner, and you keep giving him a defined role, he can play the two, he can play the three. Uh, I think Evan Turner, you give him 30 minutes a night, I think he's the best player on this team. I honestly believe that, and I don't think he gets enough credit for as good a player as he is. So uh, we'll keep an eye on the Seas there in Milwaukee tomorrow night, Tuesday night and anything else that happens here in the world of sports I will react to so uh, one more game for picks picks tonight it's the Monday night game Chargers minus four I, nothing has changed I don't regret this pick I'm sticking with it so I'm feeling that tomorrow when I jump on this podcast I'll be three and two I will finish picks picks for week number nine with a three and two record so uh, I'll react to Chargers Bears on this podcast tomorrow. I'm here five days a week, dannypicard.com. You can also subscribe to the Danny Picard Show on iTunes, anywhere podcasts are available. Follow me on Twitter, at Danny Picard. Like my Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Danny Picard Show. I am out. Talk to you tomorrow.